The scripture lesson this morning is from the book of Joshua, chapter 8, verses 30 through 35, which is found on page 184 of the Pew Bible. Before the reading, let us approach the Lord in prayer. Father God, by your grace, our living hope through the death and resurrection of your Son, Jesus. Breathe upon us your spirit that we may have ears to hear the message before us to proclaim your kingdom through word and deed. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. At that time, Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, on Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the people of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones upon which no man has wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the presence of the people of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. And all Israel, sojourner as well as native born, with their elders and officers and their judges, stood on opposite sides of the ark before the Levitical priest who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord, half of them in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded at the first to bless the people of Israel. And afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessing and the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel and the women and the little ones and the sojourners who lived among them. The word of God for the people of God. might be surprising to share with you that um, the, the, the woman I married is a very different person than who Robin is now. And the man Robin married is a very different person uh, than who I am now. Robin used to be incredibly shy, uh, so much that it was a work of God's uh, miraculous power that we ever got together when uh, um, I, she would help with the youth at events, and I can remember one event where I would go over to her to try to talk to her, and she was afraid of being too forward and would walk away quite a bit. Um, when I finally called to ask her out, um, I don't know if this has anything to do with the sermon, but I will share it. <laughs> it took me 30 minutes to get around to finally asking if she would like to go do something because uh, I, I had to get the courage up because I also was fairly uh, shy in certain ways. And I can remember, I, I think I led off with, has she, is she adjusting okay with Seinfeld being canceled? So that kind of dates us, right? So 
Well, after 30 minutes of me just kind of talking about the weather in Seinfeld and who knows what else, I finally got around to asking her if she wanted to go out. And she later told me she was so excited that I wasn't asking her to lead Bible school. She said yes. <laughs> the whole time she thought I was trying to get her. Anyway, we moved to Scotland. We knew no one. And Robin kind of realized that well, no one knows me. And if I'm going to have a conversation with anyone other than Keelan, who was four at the time, I'm going to have to go talk to people. She came out of her shell. She it's kind of very different. She's not as shy. And I asked for permission on all this before. She changed. And much of our, and, and I changed. Um, she can tell you later those things. So, but, but, and our life changed. You know, the, the, the kind of life we shared um, before children, very different than after having children. The, the, the life we had with different jobs and where we were in different contexts and situations, we change. And all of you change. I mean, we, we grow and mature. Life situations change. And in those changes, it is good to remember commitments and promises. That's why... When, when we do a wedding, I much rather people, well, pretty much insist that people use traditional vows. Don't tell me how you're feeling. Your feelings are going to change. Don't tell me what you love so much about this person. That person's going to change. But if you're saying in sickness and in health, you're saying, I'm committing to you. I'm making a covenant with you that's not based on who I am now and who you are now. I'm making a promise that's going to extend beyond the situation now, it is good for us to realize that we change, and in those changes, it is good to have a covenant promise to come back. Now, I say this uh, to say, here's what's going on in Joshua. It is a new people who have come in to the land God has promised. They, they've grown, they've changed, they're, they're, the generations have come and matured from originally God bringing them out of Egypt and bringing them into a promised land. They're, they're a different people, but God's promises, God's covenant is the same. And so it's appropriate that that covenant is revisited and they're reminded of God's demands as well as God's promises and live out of a remembrance of that faithfulness in the changes of their life. So they come and they go to this mountain. We're, we're kind of uh, jerked out of um, the um, narrative that has been talking about the conquest of these cities, and suddenly they're taken to Mount Ebal where they uh, offer sacrifices. They read the covenant, and I just want to mention there that we're we're told that it's all of Israel as well as the sojourners. That means the foreigners. So, uh, one of the things I'm trying to point out as we go through is when people tell you that this book is about um, ethnic genocide, it's ridiculous. People who are outsiders are welcomed into the family. So here's more evidence of that as foreigners, sojourners are welcomed into this community and the law is read and the curses and blessings of the law are read on the people. This is fulfilling um, something that takes place towards the end of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 27, uh, Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people saying, keep the whole commandment that I command you today. 
And on the day you cross over Jordan to the land the Lord your God is giving you, you shall set up large stones and plaster them with plaster, and you shall write on them all the words of the law. When you cross over to enter the land that the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, and when you have crossed over the Jordan, you shall set up these stones concerning which I command you today on Mount Ebal. You shall plaster them with plaster, and there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. You shall wield no iron, iron tool on them. You shall build an altar to the Lord your God of uncut stones, and you shall offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. So they, they're fulfilling this, and as they're there, uh, they, the people go to Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, and they read off blessings and cursings of the law. The law curses those who are going to be disobedient. So cursed be anyone, further in this chapter, who dishonors his father and his mother. Um, cursed is anyone who misleads a blind man on the road. Cursed is anyone who perverts justice. But it also gives blessings to those who are faithful and obedient to God's law. So there's this covenant made this covenant that's confirmed through these sacrifices and then the blessings and the cursings of um, being obedient or disobedient to this covenant are announced. And the people take those upon themselves and say, we're going to do all of this. And they're to repeat that and offer a new sacrifice after they get into the land. So Moses brought them out of Egypt. And when they get in the land, that's what's going on here. They're being obedient and they're renewing their covenant with God. They're saying things have changed. We've come through this story, and uh, we, I mean, we've come through these events, and we're a different people, but we need to remember what God has promised and got what God has commanded. Isn't that appropriate for you? Isn't that appropriate for me? I mean, unless you just recently came to the faith, your initial baptism, your initial receiving the promises, your initial joining the church and making vows, you've, you've become a different person. You've gone through different things, and you have faced difficulties. You've um, grown in your understanding of God. You've matured in your understanding of the world. And the person you are now is a, probably a different person than when you first came to faith. And isn't it appropriate that you come back to the covenant God has made with you and to remember what he's called you to do, what he's, who he's called you to be, and to remember the promise he has made to you in Jesus Christ? That, that is, it's appropriate for us to, um, you know, remember that the promises made to us when we have faith in Christ are eternal, but because we change and we go through differences in our life and, and these things happen to us and we become someone different, it's appropriate for us to take moments in our life to look back on what God has done for us and to remember who he's called us to be and to trust what he's doing for us in the future, that we renew those promises. We recommit ourselves to follow him. We recover who he's called us to be and what he's doing in our life. We, we do this with, you know, to back, back to the example of marriage. We, we, we celebrate anniversaries. We, we celebrate events that we remember our vows. We remember 
Anytime um, we have a wedding, part of the wedding is usually that those of us who have made those vows renew those vows with our own wife or husband as we see these vows being done, that we take moments to renew that even as often as we say, I love you. Because these moments of remembering and recommitting and, and renewing that covenant are, are not just remembering something, they're, they're creating something, they're forming something. Carl Truman, um, professor at Hillsdale, has a wonderful example of this covenant renewal. He said, you know, you, you could imagine someone saying, um, you know, I love you at and I do, and there's the marriage. And do, do, does the words, I love you, do they create something, or do they only express what is there? And he said, here's an experiment. Um, try to go a year without saying I love you and see how your relationship goes. Is it creating a relationship, or is it merely expressing? It creates something to say I love you, to to, to renew relationships with people, to, to get together creates and restores and renews. I, as a caveat, I should also mention, he, he said, do not take that suggestion seriously, and probably a good idea not to. Saying I love you, saying I'm grateful for you, renewing those promises and covenant, not only remember, but they build the relationship. So the same thing with God's covenant with these people. It's not merely remembering something he's done. It's forming and creating and renewing and strengthening the union of this covenant promise. And we who change in time need to return to the changeless promises and changeless will of God because we also fail to do what we're called to do. The Israelites sinned. This is not long after they failed to conquer a city because they sinned. They didn't keep covenant completely faithfully. They didn't do all that they had been commanded to do. They had failed to enter into the promised land as early as God called them to because of their lack of faith. And yet he still comes back to bring them to this covenant because it's not only remember what I've done for you and what you're going to do, but also remember in spite of your failures, in spite of you not doing what I've called you to do, my covenant love and my faithfulness continue and there is forgiveness when there's repentance. There's forgiveness that the promises of God stay there even in our failure to be perfectly obedient. And don't we need that as well? That not only do we change and grow and mature and our life is on a different path than we could have imagined 30 years ago, I fail to do what Christ calls me to do. I don't live up to his commands I don't live up to all that he's asked and told and commanded and said, this is what a follower of Christ is to be. If you're in covenant with me, you're promising to follow Jesus and to live like him, and we don't live up to that standard. We fail daily. That we, we, we sin. And so part of the, the covenant renewal is to say, in spite of your sin, in spite of your failure, in spite of your weakness, in spite of your not doing what you've promised to do, my promise to forgive and my promise to be your God and my promise to redeem you is still here. And because you're probably looking at your sin and your failure, I'm going to give you this promise. I'm going to give you this sacrifice. I'm going to throw something before you to remind you of my covenant promises that are as, as real and as near to you as bread and wine. The covenant 
is made with us. And he offers his grace, he offers his promise in spite of our, our, our failure to be obedient, even in our changes as we learn and as we grow and as we um, become different people. And we notice that this is, like so often, promises made prior to obedience. It, it, it's just the pattern of Christ that uh, the pattern throughout Scripture that God redeems us and empowers us before our obedience, before we do what He calls us to do. What I mean is, this was renewal of God's law. When was God's law given? Did He go into Egypt and say, here's Ten Commandments, you obey these perfectly, and God will take you out of Egypt? No, what does he do? He frees them. He brings them out of Egypt. He takes them to the mountain, and there he gives them the law and says, now I've saved you. This is how you live. And what does he do now? Does he say, live in the city, build up the kingdom, be perfectly obedient, obey all these laws? No, he says, cross over Jordan. I've conquered Jericho. I've conquered I. Now here, I'm giving you the way you're going to live. Now live in it. Be obedient. This is the way you're going to build this kingdom in this land. But he, he gives us these promises. He gives us this covenant. He acts to bring them in before they are perfectly obedient with all that he's commanding them to do in there. God's grace precedes our obedience. You're not brought to Christ because you obey his law. You obey his law because he's brought you to him and given you the grace. He's given his spirit that empowers you to do that. His grace precedes your obedience. And it does so because he has perfectly fulfilled all of this. Because the blessings and the curse are as eternal as Christ himself. I mean, as God himself, his own will. And so he fulfills these. Even in that disobedience, the curses still come down. Even in obedience, the blessings are still given. Because we can't help but think of one who would come and come to a mountain and say, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The covenant Lord comes to his mountain and he proclaims his blessings on his people. He is fulfilling the covenant blessings that are taken upon the people here. And we receive those not just because we've obeyed and done all that he's told us to do, but by faith we have looked to him who was not only the one who gives the blessings, but the one who goes to the mountain receive the curses. The one who never dishonored his father and mother receives the curse upon him on the mountain. The one who never led anyone astray takes the curse upon himself. The one who never sinned in any of those ways they are uttering and saying, let the curse be upon us, he takes that curse. And the cursing is fulfilled so that we receive the blessings. So, remembering that, And remembering the event that we commemorate at this table, I encourage you to look for times to renew your covenant with God, to remember what He's done for you, and also to recommit yourself to obedience and living out of the faith um, and trust that He's given to us. There can be many times that we do this. As we change and as we come through, uh, New Year's are really good times to examine and say, how has God been faithful to me? How can I be obedient? Birthdays are a pretty cool time to do that, to take time and say, God has been faithful with me again. How appropriate, maybe Nakomi. If you go to Nakomi every year, 
take an hour, walk through God's creation and think, what has God done for me this past time since I was here last? As I'm here, how, how do I recommit myself as I'm taking time aside to remember his covenant? Whatever it is for you, but there's also us as a church. The covenant made in our baptism is renewed at this table. We commemorate and we remember the promises made to us as he took upon himself the curse. And then by faith, we receive this and it empowers us and strengthens us that we renew the covenant, that we remember what has been done, but also that we receive the promises again for how we live in the future. So we come, we renew the covenant he has made with us. Now, let us stand and say what we believe through the words of the creed.